As the world's culture continues to move faster to embrace homosexuality and the LGBTQ lifestyle as normal, we have Pride Month, Pride Clothing, and Pride Rainbows everywhere. And with all this pressure to embrace, we now are beginning to see some in the church rethinking this homosexuality and the LGBTQ as a sin. So what should believers think about homosexuality and the LGBTQ lifestyle on this slice of fresh bread? Welcome to Fresh Bread, a podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville with Pastor Keith and Pastor Brandon. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to Fresh Bread Podcast 23, Fresh Bread, where we bring the truth of God's Word to a starving world. I'm Pastor Keith. He's Pastor Brandon. And today we're going to look at the world. It continues to embrace homosexuality. We just came out of the month of June, which is Pride Month. It just seems like everybody in the world is celebrating it, except Grace Bible Church Gainesville. I would think that there's a few other churches that aren't celebrating. Yeah. But I'm yes, sure. we uh, we kind of feel, I, I understand your sentiment, that we do feel alone in dealing with this, that it's a uh, standalone. And truthfully, I mean, I think that there's a sense where we are standing alone, especially in terms of living in a city like Gainesville, and that is definitely more liberal in its leaning politically and in terms of religion. So yes, I mean, I think we, we stand alone in that sense. And I think I think we stand alone too in that some of the churches that, agree, that would agree with us, I think maybe have the wrong reasons for agreeing with us, you know, in terms of maybe some of the old hate that's out there in terms of we aren't called to hate people. We need to, we need to preach the gospel to them. And, you know, hate isn't anything, there's no part of, you know, preaching the gospel to someone. You need to you do that out of love. And some of the older churches that are more bigoted, and, and, and there are those out there. I mean, it, it's true, and I think that, you know, we need to be careful not to go down those roads, and, and that we need to be very biblical in how we look at things. And it has become considered hateful now to share the gospel with uh, a homosexual or LGBTQ person. Yeah, I mean, our, I would argue, I mean, I, just yesterday I, I talked about um, this man called Mr. Beast on YouTube, what he had to do and what, you know, he was called to do. Actually, I didn't say this specifically in on the pulpit, but he had early on in his in his walk or walk early on in his career, he had he had called people fags and he had used some disparaging language at that time. And what's happening is that's being conflated with biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity can't condone. I mean, we can't be hateful like that. But at the same time, we have to call homosexuality sexuality is sin because that's what it is. But the world is going to conflate that and going to say, well, you're the same. And because you say it's a sin, but really it's it, you're just basically doing the same thing. You're being hateful. And we have to fight against that. We have to say, no, it's actually hateful to say that that's the homosexual lifestyle or being transgender, that that's okay. Because God has said it's not okay. And God has said that it's sinful and you know that you're sinning against the body. And we're actually hateful if we don't say that. If we don't say what, what God says and what God thinks about it, it's actually unloving if we don't do that. It's like if someone's drowning, you want to rescue them. Absolutely. I mean, if, you, if someone is hurting themselves, you know, doing something to hurt themselves, we would be unloving to not say anything. It's 
smoking is not healthy. Drinking is not healthy. I mean, it, those things are not, they're hurting your body, and it's unloving for us not to say those things. You know, obviously, we need to say those things in a loving way, but it would also be unloving. We, we can't conflate that and say, well, it's, uh, it's, then it becomes unloving just to even say anything. That's not true. We, we need to be willing to be able to say, this is a sin, whatever that is. I mean, if, if God has said it's a sin, we need to be willing to say it, be willing to help people and, and love them in that way. That's what we're sent here to do is to spread the gospel and the good news. Of Absolutely. S- there's salvation for sinners, and we're all sinners. That's right. Well, let's dive into some of these questions and see if we can figure this out. We're trying to figure out why the church is suddenly more willing to embrace homosexuality and LGBTQ lifestyle when we see it as pretty black and white, that homosexuality is a sin. Well, I think you have to recognize that a great job has been done in convincing people over the years. Unfortunately, wrong has been done to people who are homosexual. Angie and I, my wife and I, watch a lot of British television shows, and periodically they'll depict how homosexuals were treated decades ago. And, you know, you have to recognize that the way they were treated in terms of how they were handled by the law and, and that sort of thing, that was uh, that was unloving. It was unloving to do that, at, you know, forcing them to be castrated and different things like that. When they hadn't actually done anything against someone that would call for that type of punishment. It's not right, but attention has been called to that in our culture. I mean, they've done a good job pointing out those things in terms of, I say a good job, what I mean is, is that they've pointed to those things and they've said, well, you know, this is wrong. And I don't think I would disagree with that, that, that it was wrong in terms of how they were handled, but that doesn't make homosexuality right. It doesn't make it less of a sin. And it doesn't make me unloving to say, I agree with what the Bible says. I agree with God, obviously. Therefore, it is a sin. That doesn't make me unloving to do that. Just because someone else has, has treated them in a wrong way, you know, has sinned against them, it doesn't mean that I'm sinning against them by saying that homosexuality is a sin. I mean, I really, I mean, you, I'm more and more convinced that it, we are undergoing a psychological operation right now where there are people who are trying to to change the way we think and and they are doing an incredible job of going after these norms that that biblical norms they basically using things against us and they're they're conflating things and making it look like that it's one thing when it's really another and convincing because no, because we have so many people who don't understand scripture they don't understand the truth and it's so convincing because well I I would never want to treat somebody like that I want to be loving mm-hmm. doesn't Jesus say that we ought to love people? Well, but I think the question is, we did a podcast here, you know, recently, but what is love? You know, I think we have to go back to even the definition of love and understanding what love is and what God says love is and and understanding that the truth can't be uncoupled from love. It doesn't make what was done wrong or what is currently done wrong doesn't make everything else wrong. It doesn't work that way. I have to know what the truth is. I have to love the truth and I have to love others with the truth. And I can't just make my own definition of what love is. When we look at our society now, it is, I think this is unprecedented in human history, the celebration of homosexuality. I don't think we've ever seen a situation where it's been just absolutely celebrated like it is today. I Taught in schools. And, yeah, taught in schools and, and the the psychological operation that's going on to, to get people to change. You know, we went from 20 years ago, and I don't know exactly the turning point, but, you know, you went 20 years ago, most in the society would have seen it as wrong. They would have seen it as sinful homosexuality. You know, maybe it's 25 years ago, you know, definitely, definitely before 2000, you would see people, people would see it as wrong, as sinful. 
to now where most people would see it as being okay. You know, it's a, it, they love one another. And as long as they're in a loving relationship with one another, that it's okay to, to do those things. And so, you know, to commit homosexual acts. And so it's def, there's definitely been a, a psychological operation that's gone on seriously. I mean, I, you know, you, you chuckle, and I appreciate No, I that. laugh because Dr. Farnell used that word all the time. Yes. A psychological operation. Yes. That it, it, that's what's happening. Yeah, is it's I agree. A, it's a psyop, and we're being pushed in every way, whether it's Disney, whether, you know, with the kids' shows. You know, Angie and I were watching a show last night on television, and basically same-sex it's just been normalized, you know, and you're like, well, do I just continue watching this? And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a, it's really difficult because every, everywhere you look, whether it's Pride Month or whether it's a television show, whether it's Disney, whether it's Target, everywhere you look, it's all being normalized. It's being pushed on us as being unloving if we, we stand against it, you know? And so I, I don't think, I think it's unprecedented in terms of the history that I know of, that it would that we would see what we're seeing and how quickly this has changed. Yes, because it's, it's not only accept this, but it's also celebrate it. You need to not only accept it, but you need to celebrate it. Yes, you yes. Need to, you need to go that extra That's right. step. Okay, well, let's get into some of these questions. The first question is, if God is perfect, how can he create someone who is a homosexual and then have it be wrong? Well, I think it goes back, well, it does go back to the fall. I mean, Genesis 1, I mean, God created the world to be good. And so there was male and there was female, and that was his design. You know, Genesis 1, 26 through 28, he created the male and female. That was his design. So you would have to argue that homosexuality was a result of the fall. And, you know, that came about, you know, we see it crop up, you know, pretty early on in Genesis. You probably see it, you probably saw it prior to the flood as well. I don't remember a biblical reference to it prior to the flood, but I would argue that it was, I'm sure it was present even at that point. But, you know, we it's not part of God's perfect design is, the, is really the short answer. God's perfect design would be re- reflected in Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 26 to 28 specifically says there was male and there's female, and it talks about them being fruitful and multiplying. It doesn't give any room for a same-sex situation or transgender situation. So you, what you're saying is because of the fall, then some people are born with with the same-sex attraction. I would stop short of saying that because same-sex attraction would mean that they're genetically turned that way. And I, I don't think that that's the, we can say that about any sin, that you know that somehow we're genetically turned to be a murderer or we're genetically turned to be a liar. There's something about our genes that make us so we don't have a choice in the matter. Because you do have a choice in the matter. I mean, that's a, I mean, I think that would be an, a lie that, that community would try to to try to say, or people who are trying to make it okay, is that oh well they were born that way. But that would be the same as well he was born a liar, so he can't help it. You know, and we say those kind of things, but it, in reality, it's. I mean, there's a sense that we're born as sinners, right? I mean, that you know we're born as sinners and we're born with the proclivity for sin. But ultimately, it's a volitional issue. I mean, it's I'm, I sin because I want to. You know, my t- my child is born a sinner, but he ultimately makes the choice to sin. And there's a there's a sense where he can say no to that. Now, you know, obviously we would teach that, you know, a, a person that an unbeliever can't say no to those things and, you know, just living according to their flesh. I mean, they can say no to them, but it's but their proclivity is towards sin. I mean, it's, they have a proclivity to sin, but it's not as if they, they were born and they just can't say no to being gay. 
I don't think there's any biblical support for that. We're all born sinners, so you think you could make the statement that we are all born liars, we are all born... That's right, we could. We have a sin nature, we're born with a sin nature, so therefore we... We begin to do those things, and I think Paul in Romans 1 talks about it, and you do see a spiral. What I'm rejecting is is that someone is born with a same-sex attraction that you know, that they just can't say no to, that it's just, that's just who they are. Because I don't think that's the case. I think it's no different than any other sin. It, it doesn't follow that I was born a murderer in the sense of I was born as Charles Manson. I mean, Charles Manson just was a murderer that he couldn't say no to it. He, so it's not his fault. It's not true. Now, he may have a proclivity towards it, you know, in terms of his sinful, his disposition, but that doesn't mean that he's born that way and he has no choice in the matter which I think is the difference where, you know, where same-sex attraction, the idea that they try to say is, is that there's no choice in the matter. He, they were mm-hmm. born this way, therefore they can't say no to it. I don't think there's a gene that God, that God has, that's there that would, that would make someone homosexual. And, if, and even if there were, I don't think there is, but even if there were, I don't think it's a situation where, I, don't, I, think, it's, I think it would be part of the fall, I mean, I, I think yeah. it would be. I think it would be aberrant. I don't think it would be. I don't think God created them that way. I don't think there's a situation where someone can say, "Well, this is how God created me." We have faulty genes, but it's a result of the fall, not because God created it that way. God is still perfect. That's right. We're we're not. That's right. <laughs> and it's a result of the fall, but it's not like it's it's not like God created us in that way. Also, this is another big argument. Does the Bible say homosexuality is a sin, or does the Bible really say that homosexual promiscuity is a sin? I think the Bible's clear. I you know, you have to start in you know, we I brought up Genesis one. You have to start in Genesis one because I think Genesis one Genesis one and two shows the God's character and, and the commandments, the Ten Commandments, we've said this before on our podcast, but but the Ten Commandments are rooted in his character, which is seen in creation. You know, God created everything to be perfect. He created everything he said and it was very good. He created it to be perfect. And so anything that deviates from his perfect creation is sin. It has to be. And so homosexuality, I mean, when when you look at Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, there's nothing in there, I mean, unless you want to twist the grammar, there's nothing in there that says, I mean, it's very clear. He created them male and female. And, you know, in Genesis chapter 2, I mean, it's very clear that he created the woman for the man, and, and he created them to have this relationship, and that was that's his perfect plan for the man and the woman to come together and have children and to be fruitful and multiply and spread throughout the earth. That's what his plan was, and, you know, that's that's his perfect plan, and you anything that goes against that has to be a result of the fall. I mean, that it has to be a, a result of what happened at the fall. Let's just mention this real quick, because I've heard people use this as a definition of maybe there are more than two sexes. But in, in 127, when it says, And God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. People say, well, look, there's a them there. So there's a male, female, and them. So that must mean the LGBTQ homosexual community. But you would just say that's bad hermeneutics, right? It's bad grammar. I mean, I I appeal to Hebrew. I mean, Moses was very specific in how he wrote that. And very clearly, you know, that is the them is referring to the male and female. So not referring to some other group. There's nothing there that indicates that anyone who believes that is just trying to trying to twist it, make it fit, and it doesn't. And I I think verse 28 
kind of fills that in because then it says, and God blessed them. God said to them, the them is the male and female. Yes. Like you said, it, it's an English 101. Yes. Even I get it, and I'm not an English guy. But it, it's just interesting how people will try. You're, you're American, Keith. You're not English. <laughs> But yeah, they're trying to twist and pull and do some kind of gymnastics to make it fit. We see that so much, which kind of leads to my next question. Why is the so-called Christian church, and I use so-called because I'm not sure what's going on there, why are they changing their stance on homosexuality? Why do we see that they're becoming so much more accepting of it? Well, because they want to be like the world. I mean, it's they don't want to be they don't want to stand outside of the world. Unfortunately, a lot of the visible church has bought into the world. They don't want to stand separate and, you know, lose their job. You know, they don't want to be seen as unloving, but, you know, ultimately man-pleasing and uh, being unwilling to, you know, be persecuted. I mean, if you if you get down to it, you know, the Beatitudes, we've been, I've been preaching through the Beatitudes on Sundays, and, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, the Lord is promising persecution. Paul said those who wish to live godly in this present age will be persecuted. You know, it's this it's this desire to fit in. It's this desire really ultimately to be worldly and to share in what the world has. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to lose our big house. We don't want to lose our you know, nice cars. We don't want to lose our fat bank account. This is the way the world goes and you want, the world wants to be, these things to be accepted. Ultimately, if you get right down to it, it's an attack on the church. It's an attack to get us to capitulate to what the world wants and what ultimately what the, the enemy wants. It's a, wanting to be loved by the world. Another question is, in the Bible, we do see mention of eunuchs. Eunuchs are an interesting group of people. We see it in Esther 4 and Matthew 19. There are some progressive churches and Christians that believe that this does open the door to a different non-binary gender. So as we look at eunuchs, and then Jesus himself mentions it in Matthew, does that open the door to maybe affirm homosexuality in a way? Or affirm you know, other genders, yeah, potentially. Yeah, non-binary. No, it doesn't open the door that way, in terms of biblically anyway. I mean, somebody may try to use that to open the door. In in reality, we know this scientifically, just because you remove the male parts from a man doesn't change them biologically. They still have the X and Y chromosome. They, they're still biologically male. Being a eunuch doesn't change that. And mm-hmm. so I don't, you can't open the door in that way. You know, it doesn't, I don't think it opens the door for there being an other, you know, categories. I think that eunuchs are male. And by the way, the Bible doesn't necessarily saying that it's accepting of units in the sense of that's okay. I mean, I think that it's just saying that that's the way it is. I mean, that's that means Jesus is just affirming that that's the way it is, but that doesn't mean that he's saying that it's okay to become a eunuch. It's more of a, it's like, it's a, as an example, when Paul talks about slavery in Ephesians, when he talks about the you know slaves, he does also in Colossians. He's not affirming that the institution of slavery is okay, and he's just affirming that that's just the way it is. In this, in the world that we live in, that we live in a fallen and a sinful world, and there are certain things that are just—it's just fact, and it doesn't necessarily make it right. And it, just because he, they bring those things up, it doesn't make it right. But it is—it is fact. This is the world we live in. So many so-called churches say that when you look at Matthew chapter nineteen and verse three, and Matthew nineteen, this is when the Pharisee comes to Jesus to test him, and he asks him about divorce. And the Pharisee says, "Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife or?" any reason at all, here's what they are saying, that the Pharisee never asked about homosexual marriage. So could this question that this Pharisee is asking just apply to heterosexual marriage? 
that many progressive churches say that that question by the Pharisee never addresses homosexual marriage. Like it doesn't mean that homosexual mar- that he's condoning homosexual marriage. I mean, it wasn't even a question about homosexual marriage. It's a question about marriage. And so he never asked about same-sex marriage because it wasn't the question and it had nothing to do with it. What was the Jewish law at that time about homosexuality? Well, Le- Leviticus 18.22, it's abomination for a man to lie with a man as a man lies with a woman. Uh, you know, I know there's questions that people bring up different ideas about that verse, but I, the straightforward understanding of that is that it's a prohibition against homosexuality. If that occurs, they should be put to death. That was the law. Homosexual marriage in that culture would have been so far out of the realm of something that would have been, would have been condoned that it was never brought up. Even the homosexual act would have been considered an abomination. And so you would never get to the point of publicly being married because it just wasn't done. Exactly, and that's why I think it's ridiculous, because I think the Pharisee would have known. It's almost like saying, well, Jesus didn't say anything about I couldn't marry a monkey, so that's perfectly fine then. But Well, that is, I mean, you're right. I mean, that, that is, you could take it to that level. So I mean, I, and, and, well, and unfortunately, that's what's happening. That's why you, you said earlier LBG, LGBTQ, well, I mean, there's actually more letters and stuff that goes on to that, and it's because they keep adding things that are okay. It's funny because this all started out with accepting homosexuals, you know, LGBTQ, bisexual, and, and then you add, you keep adding the, the alphabet because you have to keep adding things that are okay. I mean, and, and where, does the, where does the line stop? You know, you and I would say biblically the line stops at male and female, and that's where God accepts that as a, you know, legitimate union, and anything other than that wouldn't be accepted as a legitimate union. And so, but you end up adding all these alphabet because where do you stop including? You know, where do you stop being inclusive? Well, now it's, you don't want to include someone who's, you know, going to rape a child. Well, okay, but when does that, when does that start being okay? Well, I mean, we're starting to see it, you know, even now with grooming, with having these story times in libraries and things like that, where you end up having people that are, you know, are grooming children. And so when does it, when is it going to be okay to have a child as your partner? I don't mean to get graphic, but that's where we're going. That's what it's pushing to because we've, we've blurred, you know, any line. What, what can we say no to? And again, because Jesus didn't say anything against it doesn't mean he was for it because it was it was just a Jewish law that homosexuality was not permitted. Yeah, I so. mean, it, it just wasn't the main issue at the time. You know, in that culture and what he was dealing with, it wasn't the main issue. It wasn't dealt with directly in the New Testament by Jesus, but it was dealt with directly by Paul. And so it, to make that argument would be to say, and I, and I know people try to say, well, you know, we, we believe the words of Jesus and you know the historical Jesus and you know some people would say well you can't you can't trust Paul you know I I understand all that in terms of what's being done but I take God as word God's word you know as being the canon of scripture the 66 books of the Bible I take it in a literal fashion and I don't think you could argue that homosexuality was okay in terms of Jesus or his apostles yeah Okay, here's one that it's kind of a confusing one. If you look at the earlier question I asked about if God is perfect, then how can homosexuality be wrong? Because people believe that God creates someone homosexual. So again, God is perfect. He can't make a mistake. But here's what transgender people will say, that if God is perfect and cannot make a mistake, how is it that people are born transgender, that they're the wrong sex? 
Well, I think the short answer is that they're not born the wrong sex. They're born exactly how God has made them in terms of their sex. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, we have fallen bodies. And so, you know, you we're saying that, but in terms of who we are in our identity, we're born male or female. I mean, there's no... And I and I, I recognize that there's going to be men who are going to be more effeminate. I recognize that. Now, I would say that some of that, and this may be controversial, but I think that at least part of what we're seeing is we've seen a document. It's documented that there's lower testosterone level with men over the past 50 years, that the testosterone levels have gone down. And so it, if that's true, and I think scientifically it is, then it would make sense that you're going to see people with more you know, that they're going to be more effeminate. What what you're really going to see is instead of distinctly male and distinctly female, you're going to see those two become closer. Females are going to become more manly, if you will, and males are going to become more female. And we're getting closer to the center. There's because of testosterone levels going down, you're going to, you're going to see this, this more people closer, if you will, to the middle it's problematic and and we see, we're going to see it we are seeing it in the birth rates as a matter of fact i mean in terms of people are having less children and therefore you can see where people would think that that's people are born in a certain way when in reality it's it's just a biological function it's 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 a biological issue biologically in terms of their at the chromosome level they have there's there's male and there's female and even even when you know you might say well what about those who are, who have multiple parts first off that's the exception you know we're talking about a very very small percentage of people that are born that way secondly that in those cases they still are at the chromosome level are are still male or female and and those situations that have been successful are where the doctors have identified who they are biologically and that's the gender that quote unquote gets affirmed so if they're biologically male they get affirmed and treated as male you know versus the other way and those situations where they're treated other ways then what's happened by and large and we're talking about generalities here but what's happened is is that there's been a lot of confusion and people get confused as to what they they really are and it's better to and even in those situations, it's better to affirm the biological sex at a chromosome level, you know, what that is, and affirm them that way socially. Have we ever lived in a time of man where there has been confusion over if you're a male or a female? I don't think so. In terms of what I know about history, I think this is unprecedented that we would get to a point where we're doubting what's male and what's female. I think it's funny because I think that's even why the Bible doesn't directly address transgenderism or Jesus doesn't address homosexual marriage. I mean, I think what we're seeing now and what's happening is so far out of the realm of what God's plan is. It wasn't addressed because it's just so far out, right? It's it's just so far out of the realm of what even makes sense. Yeah. And maybe, you know, you ask if it's precedent, maybe, we don't know for sure, but I think if there's anything that's like what it what it is today, I think it could have been right before the flood, mm-hmm. right? You know, when God judged mankind because his evil was continuous on on the earth every thought of his every intention was evil continually is what it says in genesis 6 and i think that maybe that would have been a, a something similar to what we're seeing today and and i don't know who how far how much further can it go i don't know i don't know what that answer is i mean are we on the cusp of god judging this you know this world because of what we see i don't know to me it seems like that we're there or we're getting there but I don't, you know, God is a patient God, and so he's definitely waiting. You know, he's, he's not going to judge the world before it's time. Yeah. 
Well, I have a lot more questions to ask you, well, but I think what we're going to do here is we're going to end this podcast and then we're going to pick it up on the next one. I know this is kind of a frank conversation, but hopefully it's a, a good one, bringing the truth of God's word to a starving world. As we end this, I would like to say we have been frank, you know, and it, it may sound unloving. We are unloving and, and, and don't care about those who struggle you know, amongst us. It's not that at all. I mean, I, I, I struggle with these things. All, we all do at this point, you know, people who struggle with homosexuality in, my, in, our, in, our, in our families and, and amongst our friends. And it's not as if, if there isn't a struggle in, in terms of how to love them and, and you know, that's, that sort of thing. But, but I think what we're talking about here is affirming sin. And you can't, there's nothing loving about affirming sin. And it doesn't matter if it's if someone's a liar, you know, affirming that. I mean, it's not, there's nothing loving about affirming that. It doesn't matter what the sin is. There's nothing loving about affirming them in that situation. So I, I just don't want anyone to sit to hear us and and hear what we're saying and think, oh well, you know, there's just a couple of guys that that hate everybody because it's not that. I mean, I I don't know about you, Keith, but I do struggle with how to love people that way, and I don't want to be unloving. But at the same time, I'm convinced that that God created the world in a certain way and and anything that, that goes against that is against his purpose and it it's not good. It's something that's against him. Ultimately that's not good. And it's unloving not to say it. I agree with you and that's what this podcast is we're trying to dig into why some in the church are moving in the direction to embrace this. And we're just trying to understand biblically, this is what we do, fresh bread, right, bringing the truth of God's Word, is we're looking at the Bible, what does it say? And people are trying to twist it and bend it to try to get it to fit, to be more loving, when in actuality, it's more loving to just go with what it says. Well, yeah, the truth. Yeah. So let's pick this up next podcast. Thanks for listening to Fresh Bread. You've been listening to Fresh Bread podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville, Pastor Keith and Pastor Brandon. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org. And thanks for listening.